I don't think it's an overstatement to suggest that keeping tabs on what's going on within the photo industry is like an addiction for many photographers I know. Tracking Twitter and Facebook to see who's doing what, where, how. Did you see what she did? Can you believe he wrote that? Can you believe he did that? It's as though there's some non-formalized authority enforcing some sort of unwritten rule book on how professional photographers are supposed to behave. What's interesting isn't that there are cultural norms within our profession. That's pretty predictable. But what's striking is because the rules aren't written down, photographers are left to try to decipher what's okay and what isn't. Sometimes living in fear that they're going to do it wrong as if there's actually some sort of centralized authority or police force that would do something if they did go rogue. Well, today's program is about navigating this unwritten rule book. And like many of our shows, we're going to start the conversation with you. Questions from the crowd that appear pretty straightforward. But as often turns out, these questions have a lot more to the story. If you're new to the show, you can find out everything you need over at the all-new FastTrackCreative.com. That's FastTrackCreative.com, three Ts. But for now, my name is Dane Sanders, and this is Converge. Welcome. Again, my name is Dane Sanders. And I want to start our show today by introducing you to a friend, a guy named Tim, hails from Costa Mesa, California. And he was one of the first guys to call in on Converge, and I'm I'm thrilled to have him on. But rather than me share with you what what I interpret about his question, I just want you to hear his question, just firsthand. And you can decide for yourself what you think. So... Without further ado, here's Tim. Hi, Dane. This is Tim Kruger from your Better Together group in Orange County. A uh, question came up with one of the uh, members of the group, and they were wondering if they can be a professional photographer and shoot with um, consumer-grade cameras, and, and specifically with a DX camera. And does that... Um, Does that mean anything? I would love to hear the feedback from you. Uh, Look forward to hearing it. What I love about Tim's question is how loaded it is. (laughs) I mean, first of all, he's asking for a friend or someone in his group. I can actually picture the air quotes as he's saying uh, the word someone from or the phrase someone from my group. Uh, So there's a sense in which he's it, it feels safer or something to ask the question on behalf of a bunch of people as opposed to owning it. But second, he's appealing to a standard that simply doesn't exist in our industry. You know, the age old question of what the tangible indicators are that signify being a professional. What are the metrics? At best, this is a moving target and it's entirely subjective and it has no real authoritative body. There just really isn't one who gets to decide who's pro and who isn't. Newer practitioners then are left to come up with props uh, to validate their claim to the guild. The other side of the coin, I've noticed that more established practitioners or pro photographers who've been at this for a while who make money with their camera or their businesses, 
they tend not to be concerned with these kinds of questions, except when they're asked to decide whether someone else is in or out. If it's a newbie or an upstart, then they might be concerned with these questions. But day-to-day practice, if you just look at how they do their life, how they run their businesses, they shoot with the best gear they have access to at the time, and their professionalism or their proneness has very little to do with the gear they use. It's the results they come up with. But all of this said, I'm curious about the last part of his question. And, and I don't know if you heard it when Tim said it, but he, he, he said something like, does owning a full frame camera mean anything? Does it mean anything? And that was what really hooked me. That's what I wanted to get curious about. And I made up all these things in my mind about what he might mean. But then I thought, that's not really fair. Why don't I, why don't I check in with him? Doesn't it, doesn't it make you wonder what's behind his question? Well, it made me wonder too. So I decided to ask Tim directly. So Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. Why don't you share with folks at home a little bit about who you are and where you're from and what you're doing with your camera? Okay. My name's Tim Kruger and I operate a photography business called Timothy Julius Photographer. That's my first and middle name. I live in Costa Mesa, California, and I'm focusing on weddings and portraits. Are you easily right now. are you easily found? Can people find you on the Twitter and that sort of thing? They can find me on Facebook. Twitter's a little hard. It's at Timmy Kruger, and that's K R U E G E R. And my web address is uh, timothyjulius.com. Awesome. Well, you had a, a really interesting question that you asked on the on the hotline, and th- it seemed like it had a lot to do with uh, full frame versus not full frame, and really about pro grade gear versus prosumer gear, and what's acceptable on on the uh, on a given shoot, and you you know where I'm going with this because you had a chance to hear a little of of the, uh, my own musings before we started this conversation, but I I wanted to get to that last piece where you said, you know, what does it mean? And I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about, um, not just the things that we've already been talking about in our kind of off air conversations, but when you asked the question, what, where were you at when you asked it? Like what was occurring to you, uh, in, in thinking like, does it mean anything? What, what landed for you? I guess what I was saying is when I said doesn't mean anything is because when I look around at other quote unquote professionals, they have their full frame cameras and then I look down at mine and it's a, it's a crop frame and I, I feel like I might be missing out on something that they have and that I don't. Um, and I get insecure. It's, it's really a, a insecurity for me when I, when I look around at the community, I guess. Hmm. I love that you, you guys don't see this at home, but we're actually on a video Skype and he literally held his hand up and did air quotes when he said professional <laughs> photographer. <laughs> I did. <laughs> which is telling, which is telling. I mean, what, what is that about? I mean, the, to look around the, the industry and to try to figure out, well, who is in and who isn't and where, where does the pecking order? Who's at the top of the food chain? Who's at the bottom of the food chain? Um, and what are the attributes or characteristics that the folks that we esteem what, what do they have going on and how can I have things like that? Is that right. what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. So, so to that end, I mean, um, well, first of all, just let me, let me honor your question by, by answering it. Yeah. If you have a full frame camera, it's better. 
it's you get a lot more bang for your buck. And if you can afford it, that's great. I also know a lot of photographers who can't afford it, uh, went out and bought it and haven't figured out a way to make money with their camera yet. So as a result, now they just have a really expensive camera that, and they still feel insecure and they're still frustrated. So Mm. if if you can't afford it, that's great. And, and I will say better gear is better gear. There's no doubt you can do more things with it. Um, uh, a full frame just opens up all of the bottom end of your lenses, all your wide lenses, uh, now all of a sudden get wider, uh, cause you lose the multiplier. Um, if you have a full frame when you're shooting, um, um, a long lens on a portrait subject, uh, you get greater compression uh, behind the subject. There's just a lot of benefits to that. But, but to the second part, which is really the, the meat of our conversation, um, what would it look like for, for you to, um, well, I know you have kids, so this is, this is one of the questions that I, I love asking. Um, if you wanted your own kid to stand out or, or to feel confident or to be just okay with themselves in their own skin, how would you coach them? What would you wish for them on the schoolyard? Uh, if, if when they went to school, they looked around and felt like, gosh, who's, who are the cool kids and who aren't? And why didn't anybody ask me to be on the, on the basketball team? <laughs> well, I would let them know one, they're already cool because they're my kid. And, uh, you know, I would tell them, you know, it, it's about being yourself and not really, uh, trying to fit in, uh, cause you want to be unique a little bit. Um, but, you know, but what if they also, what if like, let's add a little, little meat on the bones okay. here. Like what, okay. what if they actually want to be on the basketball team? So like, let's say the kids are playing, I play basketball in the schoolyard a lot when I was growing up. That's why I'm picking that sport of choice for you guys at home. It might be handball. Uh, it could be tag, uh, jump rope, four square, your call, whatever it is. But you actually want to be good at that thing. Cause that's a yeah. little bit of what's embedded in here is how do I feel good and feel confident in mm-hmm. who I am? So if you wanted your kid to be good at something, um, at a skill, mm-hmm. um, would you, would you, obviously you wouldn't go tell them to put on the same clothes as the people who are winning at Foursquare or basketball. Right. You, what would you tell right. them? What would you tell them? They have to practice and they have to practice a lot. Hmm. And that's, that's the way to, to get on the team is, uh, a lot of practice. What else could it be besides practice? Cause you're right. There's no doubt that's part of it. What else could it be? A belief, I guess that they, or they can do it. Yeah. Or at least like a cultivating of the belief being around people that are affirming them uh, yeah. in truth, not just kind of superficially. Uh, maybe they could look at actual results. They, if they're playing four square, they're moving from one to two, two to three more often. They, um, they're scoring more baskets. They're getting more assists. Uh, maybe they, they have good rapport with their teammates. Maybe they're like, if there's a coach, uh, maybe they're, they're listening. They, they come early, they stay late. Mm-hmm. All, all, all these fundamentals. And, I guess I, I wonder, I don't know if that is any different in our industry than it is on the, on the schoolyard, especially in, in our case, there really isn't, there isn't really, isn't even a coach or a principal there. <laughs> it's, it's free for all. Uh, and what's wonderful about results is if your clients are happy and I'm switching back to the real world here for a second, if your clients are super happy with the results, ironically, even if you had poor gear, uh, or poor quality gear, if you can really deliver high quality results when it's all done, they'll actually be more impressed with you. Um, but you answer the question yourself. How do you, how do you get there? Well, you put yourself in a position where 
you are confident. You don't try to be confident. And it's based on something objective that isn't, you don't actually have a say on. Like if you deliver the goods, if you're in the fourth square, if you've scored 20 points in the game, guess what? You're in the category. And if you're not there gotcha. yet, well, it sounds like it's time to do some layups. Definitely. <laughs> so one of the things I love about this conversation, Tim, is um, you represent, and this conversation represents what's going on for a lot of folks at home. They're listening to this deal and they're relating. They connect to you. They know um, there's a, there's a lot on the line when you, you do business and creativity and you put them together. You put a business out at yourname.com or your first name, middle name.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and when you do that, you're, you're, you're vulnerable. You're out there. You're, um, you're saying like Seth Godin says, you're saying, I made this, I'm putting it out there and it's terrifying. But, but fear, fear is a made up deal, man. It's not real. Uh, no one, no one in our industry, uh, in a central, there's no centralized body. There's no police force who gets to say you're, you're, you're not it. Um, and, uh, although plenty will say it, it's actually carries no weight. Uh, and, and my, uh, my double dog dare is for you to, to reconsider the whole game and your approach at it. And, and for you guys who are at home, uh, the same deal. Um, if people want to, uh, get in this conversation with you, Tim in Southern California, I know you're leading a, a local better together group. Um, you already mentioned how to get a, people to get a hold of you. I'd encourage you at home to do that. Um, but more than anything, Tim, I just want to thank you for your vulnerability and your courage to even ask the question to get in the dialogue and, and for, uh, for being so good to yourself and to the industry by leaning in with these kinds of honest, uh, inquiries. Definitely. And I want to thank you, Dane, for, uh, for answering the question. Well, <laughs> it means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're kind to say so, but my job must be pretty easy because apparently you answered the question actually. So, so. indeed, indeed so. I did. So when I hung up the phone with Tim, what occurred to me was the, the conversation shouldn't end there. It, it wasn't enough. I, th I think that there's something in his question around how he's negotiating, finding his way as a creative person and as a creative person who wants to make money with his creativity. So I wanted to bring on a friend to get in some conversation about it. And as Providence would have it, as I was in the editing room, uh, I, I got a call from my friend, Mike Larson. So for those of you guys who don't know Mike, he's a photographer up in San Luis Obispo, kind of a Northern Central California area, coastal, uh, does a lot of work uh, in weddings, especially around vineyards and estates. And uh, he's been a longtime friend of mine and someone I'm really grateful for, a confidant and someone I really trust. And he's kind of one of those guys who you can go to and, and uh, not have it perfect when you're having the conversation. You can work it out mid-conversation. And I can't tell you how many times I've had those kinds of dialogues with Mike. So he's the perfect person to weigh in on this dynamic. And I should let you guys know ahead of time, too, that um, I shared with Mike a little of the conversation with Tim already. So he's up to speed. And what you guys didn't hear uh, off air was we, we started talking about this idea of shortcuts and how... Um, our industry, well, it's easy to blame the industry. It's easy to, to blame jokers like me who write books called fast track photographer, or it's easy to blame uh, businesses who put advertisements up that suggest if you buy their product, you will get better. Um, like full framed cameras, for example. Um, but there's a tension here, isn't there, Mike, that, that there is some value in these things that are created. Um, 
but sometimes the message gets misunderstood. Uh, I don't know. Am I being too charitable to these, to these Joker authors and Joker um, businesses? Cause it seems like the products that are being created, if they're used well, that like smart photographers buy the best gear, but that doesn't make them the best photographer. Is that fair? Well, I think in this industry, uh, photography industry, it's, it's a lot about personality and it's a lot about, uh, character and ingenuity. Uh, the technical definitely sets a standard for, you know, the capability of some things, but then again, people were doing awesome stuff with pinhole cameras years ago. Uh, <laughs> and we hold them in high esteem, uh, for pioneering different things. But as you know, as time goes on, technology changes and, Sometimes bringing back old technology can actually become something new and innovative uh, just as much as buying the absolute best gear. But I think we're definitely in an era, you know, where the gear isn't all before it was all about megapixels. I remember when I got into first digital photography in 2000 and 2000 and actually 1998 was my first digital camera I ever bought. It was all about what's the next megapixel camera. Like that's what it was. And that people got ingrained in their minds, like how many megapixels, how many megapixels? It didn't matter the brand as much of anything. It was how many megapixels. And then it was how many images can you fit in that card? Because I remember my first card could only fit 20 images and there were limitations. But bottom line is, is that as time went on, I, you know, 2003, I bought an $8,000 digital camera. A lot of people called me crazy and actually mocked me for spending, you know, someone, I remember someone telling me that I had more dollars than cents. <laughs> I was just like, what? But whatever, you just kind of shrug it off and you say, I'm not going to let negativity in the industry over what gear I have or what things I do bring me down. But, you know, that, that opened up the doors for a lot of different things. And gosh, I had, you know, people actually wanting to rent that same camera, you know, the year later, you know, wanting to use it. And that's not why I bought it, but um, you know, the, I currently don't use a full frame camera. I have a 1D Mark IV and I love it. Um, so I, but I remember sitting in Photokina this September watching these two Hollywood producers who filmed a feet, a, a short film on a Nikon like D600 or something like that. Um, hmm. I think that's what it was. I think it was a $1,300 camera or something like that, you know, $1,200 camera, definitely by no means top of the line probably lower midline camera. Like a prosumer. What? Like a prosumer camera. Yeah, like a prosumer camera. And you know, it worked. And the, the what they got in it was great. And maybe you have to do a little bit of post-production. Maybe not. I mean, I haven't used those cameras. So I'm not familiar with it. But I don't look down on people for using different cameras. Now, some people do. And I think those people are... The people that look down on people who have cheaper gear usually are trying to create their own elite club in their mind that they're professional and that they made it by what they were able to buy or uh, go into debt to get. And that's not really, that doesn't really get you very far in the industry. <laughs> well, it gets you far, but just not for very long. Um, <coughs> I, I, I'm curious, uh, well, you, you said something very quickly there that really struck me. You said um, what people are doing in their mind. So when people are trying to, what, I, what I'm making up right now is like they're trying to make shortcuts. So um, that person who values what they, what they use, what they wear, you can even transfer it to society and say, you know, what they wear, like the clothes they wear, the car they drive, it doesn't define who they are yet. It does have some kind of the story they tell themselves about themselves. They might even say they feel more confident when they're, you know, using that kind of gear or what, you know, whatever. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of what I heard Tim say when he was suggesting that he was trying to, to get further with this thing. And, um, 
how do you, how do you interrupt that mind to conversation? How do you tell yourself the right stories so that you're taking shortcuts with the right stuff and going the long road, um, with, with the stuff that it just takes time. Like I was joking with somebody, uh, recently, and I shared this with you off air too, was the new tagline for fast track photographer ought to be, it's slower than you think. Uh, it was never meant to say quick and easy. It was meant to be, um, the fastest, most efficient way for you to find your way is to figure out who you are first. And, um, that's an area where I would say, yeah, you don't get a shortcut there, but if you can figure out a way to do your email faster, yeah, there's a shortcut you should take. So how do you negotiate this, this kind of mindset of having the, to get the most out of your creativity, to get the most out of your business? How do you keep your mind straight to focus on the majors and to ignore the minors? Well, I think being that we have a society that definitely likes to eh, any society, we're humans. We, a lot of people like to follow what other people are doing. And when people copy them, they put them down. Um, and, you know, uh, there's, there's things kind of, I would say, uh, <laughs> characteristical traits of artists who have pride in either technical um, status, whatever. But I think, I think the thing that people need to realize is that they have to be influenced. They have to have people around them that influence them in the right way. Because we're all influenced by people. And I think there's, a, I talk to a lot of photographers who, after five minutes of talking with them, sometimes even less, after 60 seconds of them opening their mouth during, you know, mentoring sessions or during just a casual dialogue, I can tell that they don't have any mentors who are pouring and challenging, encouraging them uh, in their life. And, and in terms of integrity, in terms of, value, where their value is coming from, uh, where they are seeking their self-worth from. Um, there's something missing, a core, um, you know, for me that comes from, you know, my spiritual beliefs. It comes from people that I value and respect. And I, when I see that missing, I think that that opens up the hole for people to listen to, um, negativity or to be influenced in ways that don't really, that are productive. And then they, they get in this, like you, were, you, you always go to the emotional, mental, what are you thinking about level, which I think is important in some aspects. Because if I have my mental thought life, if I were to draw a pie chart and go, how much of it is focused on how I don't measure up to the people, like you're not going to improve. <laughs> you're not going to get anywhere. That's like, that's like no track, uh, <laughs> much less slow track. <laughs> so, you know, I think that really when it comes down to the gear that you're using, um, you definitely want to have quality stuff, yeah, but no doubt. if you need to borrow rent, um, and do something to acquire what you need to make it happen, you know, I'm a big advocate of not going heavy into debt. I'm a big advocate of, um, taking steps, you know, there's, there's risk a lot of, but I think there's some people out there that, sh that should have zero risk in their life. Like there's no reason why a mom who wants to get in wedding photography needs to go into a lot of debt. Like they don't. Um, you know, an 18 year old who's up and coming, who's, you know, has, you know, maybe, maybe they're in a position where they're, you know, live still living with parents and they want to get into a business like, okay, yeah, maybe you can be a little more risky there, but someone with three kids and mouths to feed, like can't, shouldn't go get more gear just because the industry tells her to. And on the, on the front of marketing and the companies that market the stuff and we're all marketing. I mean, I think didn't Seth Godin have a book that says all marketers are liars. He sure did. And I think it, one of the things that takeaways of that book was that we are all trying to sell something. 
whether you're sick in bed and you're trying to convince your spouse to bring you breakfast in bed, we are trying to sell worth and we're trying to project a perception of things. And sometimes by the gear that I have, if I flaunt that I have a new new XYZ product, it says something about me and I'm trying to broadcast that. And I think that's a distraction to people who are coming up and it doesn't really help um, integrity. It doesn't really help character. It doesn't really help a lot of the areas that are the actual reasons why people hire us in the first place. And I don't have, I don't have people that ask me, um, you know, what gear I use anymore as far as my clients go. People don't ask me that. They'll, they'll take one look at what all the people that referred me said and go on that. And so I think that's a distract. Gear can be a distraction from the real reason of why, you know, we're getting business. And I think that's something we need to focus on. So much of what you just shared again, it's, uh, I don't, I don't, I never want to frame things only from my perspective, but what I'm hearing you say, it feels very much in compliment. A lot of it's what are the voices that are in your head, whether it's mentor voices, the voices you're saying to yourself, uh, the having the right influences around what you're going to value and where you're going to go. Is that fair? And maybe, maybe to simplify it, not voices in your head, but what are the, what are the concepts or the. Ideas, beliefs, ideas, or the or the ideas that are in your head, because um, the voices in my head I can are changing all the time. <laughs> totally. But the one thing that is a constant is truth and uh, principles of how to operate, integrity, character. Those things are non-negotiable, non-changing. Uh, and so I think if we just look at that and say, look, I'm, I will choose not to be affected by these things and by these people. I think that really <laughs> it really frees us to uh, to operate and to actually monitor our inner dialogue to make sure that we're in alignment with things of truth and we're not um, being tossed to and fro like a wave and, and then body of water by what some person says and this person and we're just like this helpless thing in a life raft with no direction, no purpose and no and no principle. This was episode 001 of Converge, empowering the business of creativity through photography. FastTrackCreative.com is our home base. You can find everything we've got from the Better Together community to business of photography resources to a recorder to courageously ask your question. As in right now, no kidding, go there. Just click the Leave Dana Message banner on the right-hand side of the homepage. Or better yet, call 949-829-3263. Call from your car if you need to. Be safe about it, but call in 949-829-DANE. Theme music for Converge provided by triplescoopmusic.com. Sound as good as you look. Thanks again to Tim Kruger and Mike Larson for my guests, for being my guest today. Our goal every time is to be engaging, empowering, and entertaining. It's meant to bring us closer to each other, to help each other out. We are biased towards direct engagement with you, with calling questions and conversation that means something. All content exists to empower the listener to do what you are meant to do. The goal is to have you enjoy yourself too. And I want to make every show something people want to listen to and hopefully want to share. So if that's you, I'd be so grateful if you'd, if you'd pass the word along. Of course, feedback is always welcome. We're easily found on Twitter, at Fast Track Photo. And of course, I'm at Dane Sanders on Twitter as well. You can find us on Facebook and Google Plus and all over the place. But that's it for this week. We'll do our best to get shows up as often as we can. Hopefully, our goal is to get up to once a week. But uh, right now, we're 
we're doing our best to work out the kinks to make it worth your time and and really to help you implement to help you make the shift in your mindset to go where you need to go at least that's the goal i can't wait to hear what you think again this is converge and i'm your host dane sanders see you here next time